Hey everyone, welcome to the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast, a podcast where in each episode the ladies and their guests tackle different aspects of popular culture, including gaming, comics, movies, and more. We talk about what works, what doesn't, and our vision for a more inclusive space and fandom for everyone. This episode is the first in a two-part series about women and motherhood. So without further ado, on to the podcast. Hi, welcome to the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast. This is Erin McGrath, and today we're going to talk about childless women. In books, television, and movies, we're often shown an image of motherhood as super heroic or even saintly. Women who can't or won't have children, however, are routinely shown as somehow lacking or damaged, and particularly of seeing themselves in this way. We want to know why this is still the primary narrative in 2019, and what are the ways we can shift it. And I am here with... Elise Boebe, Valerie. Okay, thank you for joining me, ladies, on this topic. Um, so I really wanted to start by thinking about this trope and why do you think that we're still seeing this? Um, and feel free to give some examples. I always think about Black Widow and the Avengers movies, and Elise, I know you have a lot of feelings about that. I have so many feelings about that. <laughs> so do you want to talk about that? Well, as we kind of talked through um, examples of this, I think one of the common threads that came up of why we might still have this trope in 2019 is because, unfortunately, a lot of what we're consuming, I think particularly in the comics and pop culture world, is still created by men. And that seems to be, I don't know, if it's just the way a lot of men see women, if this is most men's experience with women, but the concept that a woman could choose not to have children and like that would be cool and they would still feel good about themselves and other people would still feel good about them it seems to be super foreign right because in the black widow example she tells the story of how she chose to make it so that she can't have children with a lot of regret she's talking to the hulk and she basically calls herself a monster and that was the moment in the movie theater where I almost flipped the popcorn and walked out, but I didn't want to cause a scene, and so I just really seethed through the rest of the movie. Um, because I didn't really, I think I've only seen that movie once. I may have too, because I can't watch it again after, like I was like, it made me write off the whole movie actually. So she chose. The, the concept is that as a spy, mm -hmm. she is going to have to do things with men, and it would be inconvenient if she then also became pregnant. So She chooses sterilization. Gotcha. She's oh. pretty young, as I recall, at the time she makes the choice. Yeah. And thus she becomes a monster. Like, she's talking to Bruce Banner, a literal monster. <laughs> a dude with anger, like, anger issues so spectacular. Her, he, he literally turns into a monster. She's like, no, I'm the monster, and here's why. I just think about, like, who was editing that? And, the, and then while they were listening to the edit, you know, and doing the clip stuff, whatever they do, and they're like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> she is a monster. Where's, where are the women on set who were, like, back there flipping tables? Being like, excuse me? Scarlett Johansson had to say those words. Yes. I know. And embody them. So, you know, what do we think this is about? Why are we still seeing this idea? And um, when we were also researching, we noticed there aren't a lot of child-free stories in general. Usually women are either depicted as not yet having had a kid or thinking about having kids, but we don't really see them making the choice not to have children. 
But in real life, we know a lot of people, including everyone around the table. Right. We are in a room of people who are child-free by choice. And I think, actually, it's that choice thing that's Mm. so huge. You know, you, you do see stories of people who can't have, but when you get into the territory of don't want to have, it's just a completely different foreign thing. Mm-hmm. But can't have is also a fairly common trope and a, a whole other way that women are treated if you are unable to have children is different than if you don't want to have The difference between children. being broken and being a monster. Yeah. Mm. Right? That's the part that makes me the most crazy about this. And sometimes in my sort of um, optimistic view, (laughs) I think to myself when I see these things that are often written by men, you'll sometimes see in popular culture this idea that like being able to carry and have children is like the ultimate gift that women have. And that's the one thing that like men will never understand and like we hold that over them. And so sometimes I'm like, you know what? It must literally be they write about it because it's such an alien concept to them that they're trying to, like, connect with women Mm. in some way, as misguided as it is. Like, Hmm. oh, that's something that, like, women do, but little do they understand that women do a lot of the same things that they do. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we don't have to go there. Like, there's lots of really great stories that involve women that have nothing to do with reproduction babies or fertility it's amazing guys there's so many out there (laughs) but part of the reason i brought this up is i feel like the longer a story goes on the more likely yeah right Mm -hmm. like all of those sitcoms where the story goes on and on and the natural progression is for the main characters to get married and have babies i mean it's even for singles i I was originally thinking about this i was thinking about my favorite x-men is jubilee Mm-hmm. who for mm-hmm. most of it has been a child so i was like isn't it interesting that now not only is she a vampire which is a whole thing i can't even get into because it, it just makes me furious uh she also has this baby and not only does she have this baby she didn't have the baby so she didn't have to have sex because no so she has this baby that she finds like in a house or something like that who's also an asian baby so even if she finds what are the chances of this asian american person finding an asian baby who just happens to look like her, quote-unquote, right. lying around, who has demon inside. So that's why so, she finds his baby, because he's like a demon baby. But, but, she's but, a now, vampire mommy, but now, so Jubilee, works. you know, amazing, single, weird, wild girl who was super rare, because she started Asian, she didn't start white and become Asian, Yeah, <laughs> is like, now she's, sat, to me, saddled with this baby, who she's excited about. Who is this woman? <laughs> well, that I mean, that's a really good question. You know, the, this idea that, again, you're monstrous to choose not to, and so to leap at any opportunity that you might have to eventually become whole, to right. your broken point value. Babies make you better. <laughs> to become whole and have a child. And, you know, for some people that's really true, and I would never want to say that that's not an important story to tell but why is it in every story Mm -hmm. that we tell ultimately Mm -hmm. or you have this example you know so I was thinking about um Amy Pond and Doctor Who and how when she she has one child and that doesn't go great she ends up not being able to have children and so she again thinks of herself as broken or monstrous and pushes the man she loves away because she's not complete anymore. Like, I guess I'm just still trying to understand 
what is it that is so uncomfortable about the idea that a woman might just want something else? Well, and I think it's something that even outside of the sort of fictional world, in the real world, people just can't understand it. I guess first we need more of sort of common acceptance, understanding, sort of realization in the real world. I mean, I'm sure you all maybe had similar experiences. Like, I actually was pretty sure from a young age that I was not going to have kids, and I would say that. And people mm-hmm. would be like, you change your mind. All the time. You'll change your mind. Mm-hmm. Even now, now that I'm of a, an advanced age where it becomes less of a discussion point. But still, you could still. I'm like, but I'm telling you, I don't want to. And that concept is so hard. And the concept that people think they know you better than you know yourself is so incredibly hard to take. The one that would make me crazy all the time is when people would hear this and that I wasn't interested in having children and say, but you'd be such a good mother, which is so weird because one... We're talking about people I work with. Yeah, like, yeah. How would you know if yeah. I would be a good yeah. mother? And I kind of am not sure that I believe that that's true. But even if I would, so what? Life is all about choices, and you've got to pass up on a lot of things that you might have been good at. Right. I could have been a good drag racer, but I also don't know how to drive. <laughs> well, and I nobody think... complains. Nobody worries about my drag racing career. And like, I think that is because continuously in our culture, right, women are seen as nurturers. So when we're choosing not to have a baby and nurture that baby, but I got news for you. Those of us who are nurturers, and not everybody is, don't necessarily need a child to fill that nurturing need. Yeah. A, I'm an amazing dog mom. <laughs> I got, sure, I got my fur baby. <laughs> but that being said, like there are, there are many children in my life. I am an aunt. I am a, a sister of a, of, um, Elise and I have a, a sister who is significantly younger than us. <laughs> and I have friends who have children and I, love them and I think kids are great and wonderful and I do think they're magical and but at the end of the day I still want to go home and like read my book and choose when that time is for me I do get really annoyed when it's like what's wrong with you um because as a kid I mean I'll be totally honest when I was growing up as a kid and we had to do things like what do you want to be when you grow up I literally remember that one time I was like I want to be a mom and like that's what I did because in my head like Mom stayed home with me all day and, like, we played. And I was like, this is the greatest life ever. (laughs) But as I got older and I learned certain things about myself, like certain truths about how I wanted to live my life, even conversations that I had with my partner who I would eventually marry, like, he and I, we still, to this day, we have our baby talk, like, once a year. Like, hey, how do you feel about having kids? Eh, not, I'm not feeling it now. And, like, it could be that in a couple years down the line we decide that, like, okay, now's the time and we want to adopt. But it's such a private and personal thing to me that, like, when people make those kinds of um, comments that you, Aaron, were talking about, it's so violating to me. And I think you, you, <laughs> you catch on to a really great point. I mean, part of the reason that this is not going to be different in 2019 or 2020 or 2021 is that we're talking about community. Mm-hmm. And, like, who gets to say what about what community looks like. Yep. You know, it's there is this drive towards assimilation, towards, you know, being legitimate. 
And all of these things are like these little capsules of like what what is it to be in this community and how are you a good member of this community? You're a good member when you are a person who is, you know, going to be very caring and, you know, caretaking. You're a good person if you're strong. There's a very limited set <laughs> of, of yeah. action figures in the box of like what we can each be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes directly into the stories that we tell about ourselves, which is exactly what we're talking about here. It's like we're telling the story of ourselves and, and creating the story. We're continuing this loop. And part of me, you know, when you were just talking now, I was like, where are the stories about the aunts? Like, yeah. I have aunts. You know, yeah. aunts are a big part of a life. The aunts, the aunts, oh, the aunties. You mean the ones about the wacky spinster aunts? Not those. About <laughs> <laughs> no, the aunts who take care of their nieces and nephews. Right, and who have jobs and, like, go out and do things and, mm-hmm. like, aren't always there because they're doing other stuff. I mean, there's there's a whole world of story that we live and that is mostly, like, hidden because the machine that, I think, is trying to make mm-hmm. us be similar and freaks out and tells you that you want something you don't want, like, <laughs> is in operation, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know how to deconstruct that. It's a bigger conversation than this. Now I'm thinking of something you said earlier that made me think of. So I'm in the midst of a Game of Thrones rewatch. Mm. I mean, that is a show that actually has quite a lot of women characters and it's a show where where obviously reproduction is incredibly important because it's it's about children as currency for power mm. and leadership. And I'm like, and are we still there? And the characters that are not really in that, the two that kind of popped into my head are Arya Stark. Obviously, she's young, but still non-traditional in terms of sort of a gender role, especially at that time. And of course, Brienne of Tarth. With is cool about them is that they get to be outside of that power structure Mm -hmm. and I would argue have two of the more interesting stories because Mm. of that but also I mean I think we also can get into a a question here around traditional femininity and Mm -hmm. how women are seen the fact that they are not traditionally feminine is constantly called out Mm. but I will say to go to your point about like I don't want to say like children as currency, but children as something that continues your bloodline mm-hmm. and your family or whatever. That is absolutely still a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, because Elise and I are sisters. I have been asked a bunch of times, like, how do you feel? Wait, you and your sister aren't having any kids? Mm. That means it's the end of your family. Mm-hmm. That means it's the end of your bloodline. We're murdering or killing our family. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> taking that family tree and we're literally... <laughs> yeah. Chopping it down and burning the twigs. I guess my feeling is is that if I really lived a life that has an impact on the world, I've given myself in other places that it doesn't need to be a biological gift that I give. And that's such a, I mean, it's not even parochial. I'm not even sure what that is. I mean, we're getting into like a borderline you're talking about feudalism. Yeah. <laughs> Which yep. absolutely does still exist. Yep. But right, this idea mm-hmm. that we're down to this macro level of if you don't continue your name line, something mm-hmm. is lost. And, mm. you know, I guess from a really like pure biology standpoint, that's true, right? That's that's why there is an urge to reproduce is hypothetically you're just a collection of DNA that wants to <laughs> right. perpetuate itself. I mean, that's very romantic. <laughs> but what happens if you don't have that urge? When I see babies, I'm like, that's a cute baby. How nice for you. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I don't feel that. Like, mm-hmm. I wish I had one of those. I, well, I think that some people think that means that the, what we're talking about, yeah, that you're that broken you or monstrous yeah. because you don't want to... to 
to bring yourself forward. But I agree, Valerie. I think that this idea of how do you instead make your legacy? Yes, thank you. Perfect word. Be yeah. something beyond your literal genetic material is important. And again, men are allowed to have legacies that are beyond children frequently, mm-hmm. but women less frequently are. And then it's also interesting, I, I just want to get back yeah, to yeah. that traditional, non-traditional femininity thing, because on the one hand, Arya and Brienne are great, but they're both allowed that, and again, almost monstrous, because they're yep. not the image of what a woman is supposed to be. Which they unquote. both get told quite a bit. So, you know, and that's that's the other thing is for women who identify as queer or other ways, this story, like, we don't even get those stories most mm-hmm. of the time. That's just taken out of the equation entirely. Mm. I mean, it's new. The reality isn't new. The idea that we need to include people is <laughs> right. <laughs> right. new. You know, when you were talking a moment ago, I was thinking about, there was this, uh, you know, Sojourner Truth. This is woman mm-hmm. way back in the day. She did some good stuff. And like, you know, she's, she's <laughs> like, there's like this stuff. ain't I a woman concept that's attributed to her, which yeah. I just got deproved that she didn't actually speak in that format because she spoke in Dutch. So anyway, there's all yeah. these things that go on around that. But it, and one of the things that goes on around her and the myth making is how many kids she had. I think it's something like one or two, but there is just, she's attributed to all these children. Huh. So like the literal words are made up for her. And literal children are made up for her to legitimize her in the eyes of people who do not look like her. Wow. Which is like, that's some big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because she didn't fit the story. She didn't fit the story. She didn't fit the story. So that people was were like, okay, this her. isn't a good so story. So we gotta make yet. her fit the story. Yes. Which is like, wow, okay. We're, we're dealing with some stuff. Yeah. We're all pausing because I'm like, that's right. intense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a lot to process. Well, and clearly there's just the fact that we're all like, whoa, there are stories there, but mm-hmm. we're not hearing them. There are other ways that you can get your legacy, make your impact. So how do we get those stories to be told more? And particularly, I think, without assuming that there's something else missing. I think that's the other mm-hmm. piece is you get yeah. to hear those stories about, like, here's the strident businesswoman, but her life isn't really complete. What, yeah. Baby Boom? Is that the Diane Keaton movie? Oh, God. Oh. Right. Your, your oh. life is actually empty. Yeah, if you're if you're pursuing your career, your life is like, actually empty. Or like yeah. every every Hallmark movie where like <laughs> there's a career woman and then like a handsome guy, like a widower and is, and with a kid. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And then they, <laughs> they, they come in and right and get the Insta family. <laughs> right. So so while it's best if you can actually you know generate the child yourself, like <laughs> like Jubilation Lee, you are allowed under certain right. circumstances found, found to acquire mother. them. Right. Yeah. And like once again, not to say that that isn't a valid experience for for some, it's no. hard when once again it's the only experience. Well, that you because see. it's reinforcing this idea that. Ultimately, deep down, secretly, you really do want it. You are going to change your yep. mind, right? Right. Mm. Um, <laughs> do you know what I just thought about? Mm. Was a doll's house. Oh yeah. Right, because I literally thought to myself, "Do I know any stories where the woman's like, you know what? I got everything that I was supposed to have, and I'm totally throwing it out the window and rejecting it." The original yeah. doll's house, I don't remember it as well, but Erin and I recently saw uh, the sequel. <laughs> We'll explain that in a second. Doll's House 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> it is what I call the Doll's House 2. <laughs> Actually, that's what it's called. 
and it's written by a woman. Wait, no, it's written by a man. It's written by a man. It's, it's written by a man. Story. But it's the story of what happens if 10 years later she comes back to her family. And she doesn't go back because she wants to. She's going back because he never filed the divorce papers. And so she legally, because of when it's set, can't own property. So he's mm. still holding her back and tying her down. And it's all, it's exploring, like, one, the whole point of the original Doll's House is this woman kind of realizing that she didn't want the marriage and the children, mm-hmm. and so she leaves it. And so the reason that this playwright uh, did the sequel, and it was many, many years, it was, it's a modern play. Um, Last but, five years or so? Yeah. Yeah. But the idea was that originally... After that happens, so Ibsen ends it on her slamming the door and walking out, and that's it. You don't know what happens to Nora after that. But because at the time, women's options were limited, when critics would talk about it, it was assumed she became a prostitute, Mm. right? Or she died, like, in the gutter, because what other choice did she have? (laughs) And so this uh, this playwright, and it is unusual because it is a man, but he imagines that she goes off and becomes a successful writer. And she's made all this money. And she's made all these contracts, which is the whole issue in the original play. But now they're all null and void. And she's basically not only a fraud, but everything she did is illegal. And so it could all be taken away and she'll go to jail. Oh, man. It was really well done and really... Well acted. Well acted. And it was interesting to see a play that's written now, but thinking about how we're, we kind of haven't really moved past any of yeah. that. And that, was the, and that was the thing, is that something that, that yeah. takes place in that time period resonates so much nowadays, right? Because if a woman's in a bad situation, and they talk about this in the play, like, it's hard to leave your kids. Or it, it can be, you know, a, a really difficult thing, but sometimes... It's much more nuanced than what you think it is. And that's what I sort of, that was the part for me that sort of healed, like not healed me, but like made me feel better. Because I remember reading it in, in high school and being like, oh God, if my mom just decided that like all of this was stuff that she didn't want and just left, like it can be seen as something really selfish, but it's, it's more than that. And we don't see that a lot. Well, right. The idea that maybe what if you're not wanting this, what kind of mother does that make you? Right. I don't want to get too far down that path, but I mean, that's the Baba Duke is a really interesting take on that if you've seen it. Oh, yeah. So that's it, a powerful movie, too. It is a very powerful movie, so I won't spoil everything, but essentially, the concept is a single mother with a very difficult child. Mm. And then she starts, she's imagining, or maybe not, <laughs> this monster, but mm. she's also reacting to her child in a way that is pretty monstrous and they they come to an eventual <laughs> ending of mm. a kind mm-hmm. you know and maybe it's even happy but but it, it really is it's a pretty deep exploration of how do you struggle with that and it might you know i'm not sure i won't say i know everything that the, the person who made the movie intended but you know there's a lot about postpartum depression and again this idea that maybe motherhood what happens when it didn't save your life right mm. Um, because as any mother will tell you, motherhood is hard. It's not like you have a baby and you love that. Like, okay, you always love, a lot of people always love your baby, but it's that concept of you don't always like your kids. Mm. You don't always like, it's not all sunshine. We're human. Right. Humans are pains. And (laughs) it's a relationship like any other relationship, but 
you know, it's also, in my opinion, it's more complicated because you share DNA and it's like, I've totally, because in the world, in the view of the world, you and if you're raising your kid with somebody else are solely responsible for how that kid comes out. And that's a very Western, (laughs) modern thing. Yeah. You know, like the fact that, how do we, I mean, this is maybe not the point of this podcast, but like, how did we get to a point where it's like only two humans are responsible for Um, this person before it was the oh, villain, right? Well, yeah. and I'm not even going to say like ago. even West. I'm going to say it's a very sort of European, mm. right? Because if we're talking about like indigenous culture in right. this country, mm. it's yeah. good point. Much more um, bigger families, yeah. <laughs> to put it mildly, right. well, back right. to your concept of community, right? Your right. Kids mm-hmm. used to be sort of more community raised, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then there's that sense of isolation, which is that doesn't. I mean, maybe it does come up in movies. I don't watch a ton, but I feel like I rarely see people tell the story of being isolated in community because of you have created this family and it's just the two of you, three of you, four of you against the world and you know no one else around you. You know, like that story is, that could be a great horror film. (laughs) It probably is one right now somewhere. Mm. Like just how terrifying that is to be feeling as though no one else can help you with this thing. Right, mm-hmm. and and it's all on you again to take a little human and make them into a good person. Yeah, and if they're not acting exactly the way they should, it's completely your fault. Right, and it's legitimate to not want to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, but like, what if you just don't want to take that on, yeah. and you know that's not for you? Right, bringing it back to the original point is right. There's just sometimes there are so many reasons why you might not choose to have children. And people make lots of weird assumptions about why that is, whether it's they think you can't or they think that, again, now it's like, well, then you must hate children. Right. That's a favorite of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. I like kids a lot. I just don't. Or And there's less examples of this. This is going to sound terrible, too, is you don't want to have kids because you are, oh, gosh, I don't know what's going to say it, because you're a slut. Because you want to go and like sleep around and like have this other. There's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> you're selfish. Yeah. You're selfish. You're, yeah. Right. Um, you know, you're incompetent somehow. Right. Because if you were a good normal person, yeah. then you want monogamy mm-hmm. and you want to raise your baby with that person. Well, right. And I think that's a big part of this. The monstrous, getting back to why they're depicted as monstrous, I do think there's something. And the Black Widow example is so mm-hmm. good. Right, she is part of her job is to seduce men, mm-hmm. and so it's not just that she's choosing to make it so that she can't have children. She's choosing to make it so she can't have children, but she's not going to be a nun, <laughs> right? Like she's, she's choosing all the things that are bad, right? She's choosing her career Man. over family. Like she's choosing a, a job, right? Potentially where she has to seduce and, and sleep with men. She's choosing. Frankly, a, a very dangerous life, and all those things, right, are seen as either like irresponsible or selfish, or like you don't have the ownership of your choice. Mm-hmm. Well, and then she does take ownership of her choice, but then beats herself up over it. That's the part that I think makes me the most right, upset. Right, right. That she made a bad choice. But that in a lot of the examples I could think of, these women are not just being vilified by society they're mad at themselves mm. right mm-hmm. so amy pond again same thing she's upset with herself because she can't do this thing 
that she thinks is so important. Black Widow is upset with herself because she has chosen to take that option off the table. Yeah. She never says she doesn't like being a spy. <laughs> and yes, I suppose. She that's also doesn't right. say that she actually wants children. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny because to me that yeah. it was such it was like a moment of time. Mm-hmm. It could have been a thought that she had in her head, didn't get put into the movie. <laughs> you know, and moved on with her life. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's funny too because it's stretching time in a funny way. Mm-hmm. Anyone will have a regret about anything they've chosen. You don't have that regret regret every moment of every day necessarily. And they sort of created that. They encapsulate, you know, whatever the word is. They made it so that this one moment in time in this woman's life became her whole life. Well, and that it's how she's relating yeah. to the Hulk in this case, right? That this is her way of showing him that they're the same. So that's why it's important there. But also, to your earlier point, Valerie, it also denies her the idea that, or even to back to the Jubilee example, there are other ways if she really, really wanted to, she could still well, settle down and have the idyllic farm life that apparently hot right. is Oh, enjoying. please. Oh, wait, 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 that's another I, I podcast. Wanna, <laughs> I had to because that's actually part of why she tells the example. I think right. it's after they discover yeah. his bizarre well, family. No, it, it is. It's, it's literally the, right the then because... he's caged with right. children in the middle of nowhere where she right. can't right. go anywhere. Secretly, yeah. But, <laughs> because none but of that she's, she's relating to the Hulk only in this completely heteronormative way. Yeah. Right? Like, this is the only way that I could be worth of worth to you. Right. Which... Dude who turns into a monster when you get irritated and like because right. you know kids don't make you mad like, <laughs> and like that's my like table flipping moment is like when it's like families come in all different sizes and shapes and different ways as we learned on sesame street as children Boom! Like, you only have one option right right there are so many ways to create family right. and it doesn't even have to be with kids there's also I think we've talked about this before in our trope podcast, is the found family trope, which is so great, but can sometimes often lead to the then all of a sudden two people in the found family, again, sort of in a heteronormative way, come together, and then there's like this baby, and that's even more magical than the found family, like... They're still right. family, now but now they isolation. all get yeah. right. Now they all get, uh, you know, in around right. this baby and by house. Right, right. <laughs> and they still kind of go down that path where it's like, oh, you started in this nice, unique direction, telling this different kind of story, and for some mm-hmm. reason, it just always like loops back. Which is weird because I think that one thing that we're hearing a lot about is this idea that in real life, people have this social isolation. Right, that they are becoming kind of stuck into their nuclear families with no connection to other human beings. And so I guess what's almost troubling to me is how we keep seeing stories that reinforce that Mm -hmm. as the model when, you know, there are other options. And I feel like, you, you know, I have between actual blood family and friends, I have a great family mm-hmm. <laughs> with mm-hmm. a lot of different people in it. And yes, some of them are small children, but we didn't all like center around those little tiny people. They're just, mm-hmm. they became, they're more, more is more in mm-hmm. a community. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it does work. <laughs> That's my, mm-hmm. my plug for the idea that you can actually <laughs> interact with other human beings. Um, <laughs> You don't have to reduce down to just you, you, me, and baby make three. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much money in that mom. I mean, I, I mean, part of yeah what I see in that is the structure of capitalism, the structure of, like, who owns what land, the structure of wealth, the structure of your lineage is only the cells related to your cells. Mm-hmm. It's all based in this, like, system mm-hmm. that um, isn't really healthy for the people who are trying to make it work. Right. And it's struggling. So, yeah. Which, which gets me to, I wonder if some of the reinforcement of it in fiction is because we're afraid mm. to explore other things. You know, birth rates are declining in, again, mostly European-centric Western world. And that seems to terrify people. Well, last time I checked, I didn't think we had a population problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I often wonder when people yeah. say that when they were like, birth rates are reclining, or not reclining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, laid back. Um, I'm like, well, what about immigration? You know, like, it, there's this, the funny other side of that mm-hmm. is like, what about people who are showing up? Do, are they not in the list? And I don't right. do these stats. Like, uh, stats are funny anyway, but it is very, like, it's telling a story. The thing about the decline of numbers of people. Like what's the what's the story? Right? Who are, well, who are the people? Right, when exactly. You say, who who when specifically? You say birth rates are declining. <laughs> Whose birth rates? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, right, and the idea that only certain people are supposed to fit into these stories in the first place is also really important, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to tell a lot of other tales. We're just going to focus on these. You know, all of the examples I come up with are heterosexual, cissexual, white women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it's incredibly tragic that they're not having children. But there are a lot of other women we're not talking about at all. Right. And we're not either celebrating the fact that they are having children and saying, hooray, thank you right. com- for coming mm-hmm. to our country and making sure we remain strong and vital. <laughs> right. right. But that's not, what, that's not the story we're telling. We could, but we choose not to. So I think that's a really good point. Okay, well, I think, you know, I think we could talk about this for many hours, but <laughs> um, one of the intentions is to eventually have a follow-up podcast where we hear from the moms about the pressures on them. So I'd just like to put it, do, do either of you, any of you ladies, have any final thoughts you'd like to share on this topic? I guess, I guess for me, the, just the final thought is that I would like to see different stories and I how do we get there is by letting different people tell their stories and I think you know that's a it's it's a kind of diversity I guess that it doesn't get talked about as much and so um I I would like to see that that kind of diversity more diversity in the way we tell stories about women mm-hmm mm-hmm I think I think they're out there. I mean, I see them, but they don't. Yeah. They're not um, the blockbusters, right? Let's get them more mainstream. There are still people telling these stories. We shouldn't deny the fact that there are lots yeah. of people sharing them. But right, they're not the ones that are getting put up on the mainstream films mm-hmm. or TV shows. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, everyone. Valerie here, and on behalf of all of the ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including LadiesCon. 
Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again and hope you join us next time.